0: here you know that we just went through the the letter to the Philippians and in there we have these verses let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus who though he was in the form of God did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited but emptied himself taking the form of a slave being born in human likeness and being found in human form he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So why is it that we're taking time to not have a sermon and instead have a panel on white Christian nationalism? We're doing this because there are plenty of places where intentionally or over time, a form of Christianity that focuses on us versus them, uses violence, fear, or power as motivators is being promoted. That's happening in plenty of places. That sneaks into our lives from plenty of places. And this is not the life that Jesus passed on for those to follow. And so for this morning, we're going to hear from some friends who've been wrestling with this. For now, they're they're not experts on it. They're not doing it perfectly. But they're fellow journeyers who are teasing out the impact of white Christian nationalism in their own lives. And it's an invitation for all of us to look within ourselves. Now here's the thing. You bring up a topic like this and shame is ready to greet us at the door. No. We don't need to feel that. You have nothing to prove. We're just saying that, right? You're already accepted. You're already loved. God is already at work in your life. The Holy Spirit is already speaking to you. And so just for real, take a few deep breaths. We're going to be okay. Take some deep breaths here. Because we're, we're not trying to shame anybody. We're not trying to say that we need to be experts on this. We're trying to be more deeply connected to Jesus. And this type of thing where we have fear, where we use violence, where we're othering people, actually gets in the way of our connection to Jesus. It actually starts to sever that. We become connected to something other, and so that's all we're doing here. It's nothing to be really afraid of. If you're wondering what, well, they'll get into the material we used when for the little book study. But uh, first, uh, I want you guys to be really kind to my friend. Give him some applause here. Our, our good friend, Pastor Rob.
1: all okay is that better all right thank you thank you for the uh, introduction uh, Matt Um, about the topic that we're going to be talking about addressing today uh, based on the book on uh, American idolatry, on uh, white Christian uh, nationalism. And so I know that over the last uh, few weeks or last couple of months or so, a book a book uh, group, we've uh, been going over the book. And uh, Matt and I, uh, this past uh, January, had the honor of meeting uh, Dr. Whitehead in uh, Jacksonville um, out of, of a session that he led on white Christian nationalism uh, based on uh, his book. And at the time, the book was not released yet because the book came out this summer or spring, I believe. Uh, So as Matt said, you know, this is not to uh, make anyone feel uncomfortable, uh, but also, uh, you know, as one church, we are a church that's always becoming, a church that's always evolving and, you know, one of the things that I'm uh, proud and have an honor to not only be a part of, but also to serve at one church, is because we do uh, take on and tackle um, and address situations uh, that affects and impacts our community, uh, along as with the church, because there are certain churches that don't even address certain issues, and you know here at one church we do address you know certain topics and issues because I believe in the song that was played earlier, uh, Stephanie, um, I think, quoted um, the Lord's Prayer, you know, let it be done on, uh, as it, on earth as it is in heaven, and that we have that mirroring impact and effect uh, to become that beloved community. So with that said, for those who are part of the panel, if you don't mind to uh, come up, let's give them, let's give them a hand. And please, um, I'm sorry if my voice is somewhat kind of raspy. Uh, I am uh, coming over a little head cold. Uh, it's that time of the of the weather of the year, especially being here in the Ohio Valley, that one day it can be 30, 20 degrees, and next thing you know, it's 80 degrees. So fun times. <laughs> so um, I'm going to start with my far right. Uh, if you can please introduce yourselves and the question I'm going to present to you all, uh, the first question is um, as you introduce yourself, how has white Christian nationalism impacted or affect, affected your life as you introduce yourselves? So I'll start with my
2: far right. Uh, hi, I'm Mike Chorus. Um How has White Christian nationalism impacted my white life. Um, I have glimpses of it in my life personally with some family members I know. Most of it is what I see um, when I follow social media and hear some of the rhetoric that's done there um, about being a Christian nation and loss of privilege among Christians, especially white Christians. And so that's. How I've dabbled in it and seen it. Um, I don't have direct conversations with some of my family members. It's a little, I'm not courageous enough yet because I don't know where that will go. But um, yeah.
3: Well said. I'm Wendy Maines. Um, I honestly had never heard the term white Christian nationalism until I read this book. Um, I'm on this journey that started six and a half years ago when we moved to Louisville where my walk has dramatically changed so that um, I think I was unwittingly upon in a in a scheme that othered a lot of people mm-hmm. without realizing that that's what was going on um, so my experience is is newer but what I personally have found is that um, learning, as I learn more and more about things that I thought were just the norm in the Christian church, mm-hmm. um, I realized that I am, I'm, I am uh, called to change my walk with Jesus so that it reflects him more and not other people. And what other people think i should be doing
1: thank you for sharing yeah josh don't mind
4: joshua and uh, yeah i think similar to wendy if i'm being honest the my experience with it is probably uh more than i more than i know In that, growing up in a um midwest primarily suburban church environment. Um, I think it was uh, a lot of what it is it was, was all around me. And I think we'll probably, the book talks about a lot of more extreme expressions of it and we'll probably talk about some extreme expressions of it. But I, I think kind of learning along with this is that there's a, there's a lot to the underlying theme of, of white Christian nationalism that was has been probably just a, a part of what was everyday life um, uh, for a long time and I think um, I realized as reading, reading this book that I think uh, the author and myself are probably right about the same age and really had um, much of the same experience so there were times that he would describe things and I'd be like wait a second is that <laughs> is he like who is this guy did I know him was he in my youth group <laughs> um, and so, uh, I think, yeah, experiencing that is just, um, sometimes it's just the, the everyday things that you don't think about.
5: Hi, I'm Stephanie Chorus. And um, I think I had heard of white Christian nationalism, but not really ever taken a deep dive into it, um, like the book invited me to. and. Um, I wasn't surprised, and I was surprised at how deeply some of the ideologies of white Christian nationalism have been rooted in my my um, faith and upbringing. Um, uh, I grew up in a Baptist church, and just uh, just an increased awareness of how many of the kind of thought patterns and um, cultural um, expressive patterns um, really were woven into um, the way that my church lived and moved and breathed and um, it, it wasn't even something that I can remember a lot of like teaching on it was just something that you kind of absorbed um, being around everybody that you were around and um, and just the othering and um, the fear kind of tactics that are used and and then just the a lot of the white supremacy that kind of goes along with white Christian nationalism that was really inbred in in into my faith um, growing up so yeah this book was like removing a lot of stuff, and still is. <laughs>
6: yeah.
1: Okay. Thank you, thank you all for, for sharing. And also, I'll uh, give some of my experience uh, within uh, white nationalism uh, as a person of color, where I did not really realize, uh, growing up in the, in the black um, Baptist uh, church, uh, that which the author uh, addresses as well, in regards of how other cultures somewhat embodies or embraces uh, on white nationalism. It wasn't until um, I was on my way to going to uh, grad school and um, at this particular time, it was uh, uh, a, poli- a political figure who was running for um, I guess the main office within this country, and uh, this particular politician, pastor, uh, had made a comment, a quote in a sermon that he used about within this nation. And it wasn't until my mentor, which was my father's pastor, um, after the situation had kind of fused down and died down a little bit, that this particular pastor who I had the opportunity to meet. And at that moment, I realized the security situation that this man who made a quote based on uh, someone that, who was a white man that he quoted in a sermon that this man was now fighting for his life. And um, I was one of the few people that was at that church at that time that even within the black church that a lot of people gave this particular pastor um, um, a lot of um, flack for. Um, But that's when I realized that white nationalism had a hold within the black tradition church or churches that I should say. And now, it's it's somewhat as the world is awakening, now this particular uh, figure um, uh, when I say figure, the pastor is no longer pastoring anymore, but now he is looked upon as um, a ma or excuse me, a patriarch in the Black Church tradition. Now, um, so with that said, we're going to go uh, with uh, questions within the book, um, and I just want to put as a, as a disclaimer as well, uh, based on uh, within the book. When we talk about the terms of whiteness, um, we're not talking about the whiteness of skin color, but we're talking about the whiteness uh, that society is structured in a way that particular group, uh, maybe those who consider themselves white Americans tend to benefit uh, most from all the benefits that society offers, which is attitudes, beliefs, values, and etc. So with that said, panel, and we can popcorn it, and by popcorn it, meaning no particular order. Um, In chapter one, Andrew quotes uh, Caitlin Scheiss, who defines idolatry as capulation to a different story and a set of values. Idols make promises of protection and provision, and they require allegiance. What do American Christians Idolize today. I'll jump in. Um,
4: I think one of the things I've seen um, is the uh, idolization of the concept of freedom, and so obviously that is a big, uh, you know, uh, if you talk about America, that's like one of the defining words, one of the defining characteristics. Um, and so, when I think of this quote and this idea of the, like the idols offer protection, um, the idols offer privilege, things like that, um, I think of how freedom has been idolized. I, you know, I think of of things like images or stickers on the back of cars or mm. uh, whatever it might be, um, suggesting things like, you know, only only two people have ever died for your freedom. You know, Jesus on the cross and the American soldier. Um, And there's certainly nothing wrong with um, recognizing the sacrifice of the military, but to equate those two concepts of freedom uh, as the same is kind of textbook idolatry.
2: Um, I would say a uh, idol that we have is um, an idol of comfort and security, hmm. in the sense that, um, speak personally, when my uh, own comfort or security gets messed with, that sends me into a tizzy more than when I watch a news story, local or national, or hear it and hear of of, of someone who has their lives have been turned upside down because of of them of whatever it could be. I mean you could take current events, the Israeli and Hamas conflict right now, you could take what happened in this city uh, three years ago with the Breonna Taylor incident, Um, but we talk a lot about wanting to be comfortable and we we work hard to make ourselves comfortable and we can make that an idol to the point where it, it causes us or me to be fearful to act out of losing that comfort and that security.
3: I think one of the things that I've seen really evident that a lot of um, American Christians idolize is political figures mm-hmm. as if they are God. They like put them in the place of God. And um, I think I was guilty of that. and. Um, I think that it's an easy trap to fall into but I think, um, I think that it comes from fear. Mm-hmm. Um, he talks a lot in this book about fear mm-hmm. and I think that um, uh, idolize, idolizing um, political figures um, assuages some people's fear that they might lose power or lose control or lose, or lose mm-hmm. their livelihoods or whatever. But that's what I see idolized a lot.
5: Thanks. I would kind of uh, piggyback on that and say that um, the idolization of fear and violence in the white Christian nationalist kind of uh, framework is is definitely there and used to. Um, Keep people in in, manipulated and in a state of panic so that they um, no longer use uh, you know Jesus or the Bible for their worldview Mm -hmm. they view the world through fear and panic based on not losing their freedom not losing their security and safety not losing their power Um,
1: Thank you all for sharing. Why is it important to place white before Christian nationalism?
3: I'll go first, okay. this time. <laughs> um, I think because Christian nationalism is espoused mostly by white evangelical congregations. Mm. I think that's why. I mean you talked about what you saw in the in the black church Mm -hmm. but I think that it is something that we see outside of the church Mm -hmm. espoused mostly by people who are um, white or identify as white. and not just in the church, mm. but outside of the church, in the political realm and in the, you know,
6: yeah.
2: Um, I would say because you have to identify it as white and he identifies it, it's because it centers whiteness. Mm. Whiteness is centered to the point, and you can you can take it, you can even see it in ex- examples, for instance, in February coming up this year, next year, it's Black History Month, but the rest of the months aren't called White History Month. Mm-hmm. Or um, so it's it's a centering of whiteness and it's a centering of particularly people that look like me, white males, who have the most privilege and access to everything afforded to them in this country. Mm-hmm. And so you cannot and and. You, if you can't identify it, it's because it feels like it's normal. It's like the air you breathe or it's like a fish in water and the, the fish doesn't, can't determine that water is their, is their environment. And to take the, the descriptor white off of it will um, let people like me off the hook mm. who, have, who have benefited and continue to benefit from this system. Mm. As long as it's been around. Mm -hmm. Thanks for sharing.
5: And and I think the 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 ideology, the system that is white Christian nationalism, is in place to keep whiteness the norm, to keep white people in power, to keep white people with privilege, um, to keep white people ordering the culture as much as possible, the politics as much as possible, the money as much as possible, and in the name of Jesus, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, I think you guys have all described, and even your statements to begin with, talking about what, what, we're, what we're even referring to when we talk about whiteness, mm-hmm. um, aptly describes what white Christian nationalism um, What it centers, what it privileges, what the purpose of it is—I think—in in in addition to that, I would say the using that as a descriptor, clarifying uh, part of the phrase, is helpful just in this arena of discussion and study, and I think even for the author um, in the book to to clarify specifically because. Um, there are other kinds of religious nationalism throughout the world Mm -hmm. so there are other expressions of that there are actually even other uh other expressions of christian nationalism uh, as well Uh, but specifically um, in america and predominantly there is a, a a higher profile expression of christian nationalism and it needs to be clarified in a way, and I think to clarify it with the concept of white Christian nationalism um, is is important just to use that term um, to help us distinguish what what we're talking about specifically, what the aims of that, if you want to call it a philosophy
1: or, or structure. Thanks for sharing. So to kind of tie into that, uh, the last uh, question, um, pretty much, um i would say to, to bring it into i guess a very brief synopsis that everybody has uh, shared that uh, that white uh, before christian or that white nationalism uh, m- meaning more privilege and i know that it was a, uh, an event that happened i think is it two years now maybe three years ago or one six um, you know, in regards of, is uh, it three years ago now, too? Yeah. Um, in regards of patriotism, you know, um, how can Christian patriotism be different from Christian nationalism?
3: Andrew addresses that really well and I found this very comforting because I, I really struggle with wanting to be patriotic, if you will, you know, having my flag flying in front of my house and yet not being a pawn in this white Christian nationalism. And, he, you know, he says, we can celebrate all the good that exists in this country and create a space where everyone is able to enjoy life, to flourish as Jesus intended. Christian nationalism is a space where we celebrate our country at the expense of some who live there, here. We have a we and they mentality. Mm. That, that really helps. I, I took up, there were places in this book where I looked for hope. <laughs> mm. That was one of the pieces of hope where I felt like he identified that. He recognized yeah. that for some people, they weren't going to be able to pull apart Christian, white Christian nationalism from their patriotism. And so he addressed mm. that, which I thought he did a good job of. Mm.
4: Um, I'll, I'll take a different side of the coin from Wendy and, and say that my struggle probably has been more as someone who is just not like for a long time haven't really cared to be patriotic um, mm-hmm. to actually make a place for patriotism and to not become the person who's just doing the othering mm-hmm. um, and the, the blaming and the judging. Um, and to recognize, to, to, to do the, the work to dissect and distinguish between patriotism and nationalism. And, and to make a, a place for that. Um, also just so that I can like get along with some of my extended family as well. Um, <laughs> but just to recognize like patriotism, you know, celebrates the good things that our, you know, our country um, provides, uh, celebrates that, honors that, um, recognizes and works towards the good of of that. Uh, whereas nationalism, as as we discussed already, specifically uh, privileges a certain way of being, uh, a certain identity. Uh, And specifically, instead of just celebrating the good, specifically says, and if you question any of that, Mm. you're out. And so um, that's kind of where I would see maybe the difference between uh, patriotism and uh, and nationalism.
2: I think you can be, um, I think you can be patriotic I'm, I'm kind of like Joshua, I'm not a very patriotic person either. But I think you can be patriotic and um, one of the ways you can do that is to be honest about what's good in this country and what's, what has been horrific in this country. Mm. Um, you know, one of the things that you can see, maybe not immediately in your life, but if you pay attention to the news or you listen to enough Christian nationalist stuff, you can hear things like a scare about things about teaching our history. And like for instance in Florida, you know, they, they, they um, stopped the, the teaching of AP black history. Hmm. And to me that's a sign that they're scared to talk about the warts or the things that are difficult about our country. And I think that's just as valuable and patriotic as it is to celebrate the things that we've done. I think we do that as an in- individuals, as Christians. We don't necessarily forget what our life was like before we came to Jesus. Um, and we can appreciate where we're at because of where we've come from. Um, but to lose sight of that, of where we've come from, that's a piece of our history, our identity that we deny and it, and it, and it decreases our humanity.
1: Mm. So the next question I have is that what lessons can we learn from Jesus' interaction with those in power, since we're looking at, you know, whiteness as as an honor of privilege and privilege meaning power, what lessons can we learn from Jesus' interaction with those in power?
4: I think it's as simple as recognizing that the one who had every right and claim as God, Mm -hmm. as it says in Scripture, he didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped. Mm -hmm. Um, And he became a servant Mm -hmm. and he sacrificed himself. So, he challenged power by saying, look, I've, I've got all there is to I've, I've got a, access to all the power there could possibly be and then to lay it down. Mm. And that is that just to subvert it entirely
5: like that. And I think to to see, you know, when the power questioned him and asked him to defend himself, to stand up for who he was. He purposefully chose not to, where he could have asserted power in a governmental fashion, which is what everyone expected him to do, he didn't. Mm -hmm. And so it really helps us see, or it helps me see that power is, is not something that is central to his authority in a governmental sense. Mm -hmm.
2: There's uh, two phrases that I think of, one's from the book and one's that that you may have heard. Um, uh, There's this phrase that I've heard in church that says, at the the foot of the cross, Mm -hmm. it's all equal ground. Mm And then there's this quote in the book that says this, it's worth repeating, equality feels like discrimination when you're used to privilege. Mm. <laughs> yeah. That's and when I think about Jesus and his interaction with power, and you could, you could use, you could intersect, you could change the word power and privilege, you can use them interchangeably in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, this is what Jesus, Jesus didn't do what Mr. Whitehead quotes. Mm. He didn't see equality, and then feel like he had to discriminate. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. And that's the example. And Joshua shared Philippians that he didn't he didn't take up his rights, even though he had all the rights in the in the kingdom and creation. Mm. Mm. To me, this is if as a Christian to emulate with Jesus means that I shouldn't be will, I should not be scared to give up my equality. And feel like I'm losing privilege
6: mm-hmm.
2: or power. Mm-hmm. I should be doing the opposite. I should be giving up mm-hmm. privilege and power on behalf of those who are on the margins, mm-hmm. because that's what Christ did mm-hmm. continually.
5: I, I can I add yes, on to that. Yes. Um, <coughs> and, you know, and this was really good—a uh, good thing for me to. Kind of wrestle with the the quote that Mike equality feels like discrimination because I think I've seen that a lot and even felt that at times and 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 felt my resistance to it but like also my surprise that it was there like ooh that's in me yuck you know like um like just being aware that um when when i sense that someone else you know in particular you know minority groups are coming up in their privilege and power how i've been taught to see that as a threat my heart wants that but I can also recognize, again, through this book, that there's parts of me that have been, I don't know, trained or whatever to resist that. And to, it, it rises something in me that's ugly that I want, you know, God to root out of me. Mm-hmm. And, and and it's part of that, I don't know unspoken thing that 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 I've picked up you know as a white woman in America Mm -hmm. and a white Christian woman in America Mm. Uh, definitely in in the church you know when um, when we try to even do interdenominational things Mm. you know uh, certain groups are like "Ooh, you know we can't do that because they're not on our level their theology does not you know and I don't know if I'm making sense but <laughs> my point is that um, it's hard to like see these things in you when you know it's not who you want to be it's not who you try to be but like, there's still elements of this in us as white people that we have to address. We have to be honest about and and be transparent about, so that when it does rise up, we can be like, "Whoa, mm. Jesus!" You know, let's cut this part off real quick. Mm. You know, so. Mm.
1: Two more questions. How had or how? Excuse me. As you reflect on what you know about Christian nationalism, what stands out?
3: I think that um, for me, a lot of it, um, because of my background, I wasn't raised in the church, but then I when I became a Christian, it was in a very large, very white, very evangelical, it was very much a part of this definition of white Christian nationalism. But I have family that experienced some of the things that Andrew talks about. I had family that were forced to leave everything behind in um, Cairo, Egypt, when the Suez crisis happened, and my grandparents. Mm-hmm. My grandparents had to leave everything behind and go to England and and English was not their first language, so it was interesting to read, to answer this question and look at this particular thing, but um, I feel like I keep having to go back to, this is where I go when I feel what Stephanie was just talking about, when I feel stuff rearing its ugly head that um, wasn't so much in me from growing up, but was in me for 25 years in, a church that really espoused white Christian nationalism, as it's defined, but the Bible is so freaking clear. It's so clear. We are to love our neighbors, welcome the immigrant and the stranger, period, end of story. I mean, that's kind of where I feel like this um, stands out to me, that I have to look at everything in that lens. Mm -hmm. Like, am I welcoming everybody? Am I, regardless of everything, mm. there is no if they're this or if they're that. Am I welcoming everybody? Mm. Am I welcoming um, the immigrant and the stranger? And am I recognizing the, how difficult it is for them mm. to come into a country such as this, where mm. they're not necessarily welcomed by most people? That for me was the, the bottom line.
6: Thanks for sharing.
4: What stands out to me the most is just growing an understanding of, I'd say maybe the, the, like the broad, the breadth of, of white Christian nationalism and just recognizing um, one of the things that, uh, that he points out in the book is that it is not um, strictly contained to people within the, the church and i, I when you, i think you touched on that earlier uh that it's it's beyond that um and so as a as like a a, a movement or a way of thinking or well, it goes beyond and so um both there's there's people many of us uh, have have our our hands or our toes or something in this water um, and then there are many who because of the nature of what it, what it privileges and, and what white Christian nationalism promotes. There's many who maybe don't come at it from a place of like, oh, this must be what Jesus wants. They just come at it from a place, oh, yeah, this sounds good. This, this undergirds my way of life. And so it's, it's both many people um, who are steeped in a, a faith tradition and then many others who are just steeped in an American uh, tradition and so it's it's very broad, and that that stands out to me because it, it also helps me understand how um, many who who are faithful followers of Jesus swept up in that can then, I guess, elevate people in power who don't represent what we might think of as what jesus would represent uh, because it's not strictly tied to what looks like jesus it's tied to this other thing that is somehow come out of of the roots of that faith uh faith tradition Um, so it's bigger than that and so therefore i think it just helps to understand a little bit how um, you know, even even folks who would blatantly disregard what we might consider tenets of of Christianity or of faith, or of following Jesus, and yet many who are committed to that would still go, yeah. These, this represents us. These folks represent us because um, we, we can also be very tied to this thing that is other than. Um, Jesus. Mm -hmm. Um, So with that also, I think that helps me then recognize um, about white Christian nationalism is how it, how sneaky it is, I guess. Mm -hmm. And so for many, um, I think there are many. um, Mm -hmm. Some of us, as we've expressed, like, yeah, this has been a part of our experience and and what we've done as well. so some of us included, that are trying to pursue faithfulness to Jesus, and there's just so much under the surface that have many uh, Christians convinced that this is actually a part of, you know, these certain ways of being, this part of the American dream, this these things um, in our cultural tradition are actually a part of faithfulness Mm -hmm. Um, and and therefore maybe it's maybe there's subconscious uh, clinging to power and pursuit of self Mm -hmm. in it but um, many who through some of the fear tactics and things Mm -hmm. like that there's certainly some nefarious folks probably driving the bus, but there's many, many other people who are just um, walking along mm-hmm. and have been convinced that to be faithful to Jesus mm-hmm. is to be faithful to this mm-hmm. white Christian nationalist agenda. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of how sneaky it is, mm-hmm. it just mm-hmm. helps me understand there's, there's some patience and some work mm-hmm. um, that has to be done
5: Um, Yeah, it is sneaky (laughs) Um, because as i read this book, I was continually overwhelmed by how much of this was in me. And Mm. just sick most of the time (laughs) Uh, with having to admit that. Um, And, you know, it comes out of, you know, growing up in a tradition where, you know, you're told what to believe instead of engaging with your own spirit and mind, with scripture, with Jesus, with Holy Spirit. And, you know, kind of in a time and a season when, you know, you're told what to believe rather than again, forming and developing your own faith and relationship with God. Um, And yeah, but I would just add, on that. Um, Ida B. Wells uh, is a a famous and well-known historical uh, figure, a a black um, woman in the freedom movement who um, wrote for a newspaper and she did a lot of work um, kind of bringing awareness even to to the white community of the horrific Um, realities of lynching and she said why is mob murder permitted by a Christian nation Mm -hmm. the nation cannot profess Christianity which makes the golden rule its foundation stone and continue to deny equal opportunity for life liberty and the pursuit of happiness to the black race. Mm -hmm. And one of the kind of big revelations that the book exposed for me was just that. You know, we embrace the golden rule. Treat others as you want to be treated. And that is a a foundation of our faith and, um, and the way Jesus lived. And when you really look at you know when i look at you know the opinions and the the thoughts the political ideas the whatever that i have embraced over my lifetime influenced by this ideology of white christian nationalism you know it's all about exactly the opposite of the golden rule like you know limiting people's rights limiting people's privileges limiting Um, their power limiting what access they have and um, somehow justifying you know violence or whatever to defend the gospel you know and um, but it's not really the gospel that I believe in Um, but somehow it's been twisted and it's very sneaky like you said because you know that mob mentality when you get into that a room and they're talking about, you you know, you get, they say it in ways that make you like, yeah, and then you're like, when you really look at it through this lens, you're like, oh my God, help me. <laughs> um, no, you know, it's, it's how, how did I ever allow myself to even come into agreement with that? Mm. And And a lot of it is because again, I, I I just accepted it because I trusted the people that I was with and I didn't question their thinking or their, you know, their authority. Um, and so there's that element of, you know, the authoritarian nature of, you know, the white man, the white pastor, the white teacher, you know, that you don't question them. And then that that opens the door to, Embracing these things that thankfully, I can now see is mm-hmm. completely not you know who I am or who I want to be. So.
1: Th- thanks for sharing. We' got to wrap up the last
2: question. Sorry, I'll be quick. Okay, yes. Um, what, what I've learned is it reminds me um, of how pervasive fear is in everyone's life and how easy it is to succumb to it. Second, it reminds me of something that Joshua just said, Um, um, I need to have grace for others Mm -hmm. who don't think like me or believe like me. Um, I don't think you can argue anybody into a relationship with Jesus or into the rightness of of what you think is right. And then third, I would say, and it's a quote from at the end of the book, it says no one's life is completely for or against justice, but we can and should acknowledge where we fall short because we, c- we do not need to be perfect in order to stand for justice. Mm. Thanks for sharing. The last
1: question that I pose to you all, as um, people identified as white, and non-people people of, of, of color, as people of the Christian faith, by reading this book and coming to the, the book study or the book group, how are you, personally, changing the trajectory amongst um, uh, American idolatry in white nationalism? How are you changing it within families uh, that may disagree within coworkers? who may disagree? How are you challenging, or have you embraced it? How have you talked to them about those things?
6: <laughs>
1: and we close with that.
5: Um, I, I would say I've, I've tried to have more conversations with people. Um, even even hard ones. Um, ask questions that kind of challenge their point of view. Mm. Um, yeah,
3: <laughs> that's a really tough question. I've really been wrestling with this um, because I lost so many friends. Mm-hmm. During the after in the aftermath, sorry, in the aftermath of um, Breonna Taylor's uh, assassination and the subsequent um, protests in Louisville, uh, and then um, me openly supporting not Donald Trump for president, um, which most of my friends from California that you know, I had friends I've been friends with for 25 plus years, mm-hmm. um, I can count. I mean, I had so many of them that have basically unfriended me, mm-hmm. or I no longer have any contact with, or if I do have contact with them, it's them wanting to tell me why I'm wrong,
0: mm-hmm.
3: um, that I'm really wrestling with this, because I feel this pull to encourage people to explore white Christian nationalism, their role, not tell them what they have to believe, but encourage people, This mostly the same people, to explore this within themselves and see how Christ fits into that. Mm. But it's terrifying, mm. personally, at this point.
1: Thanks for sharing.
4: I think one of the ways, because of the nature of, of such a fear-based and an othering-based mindset, <clears throat> the idea that you know, if you don't check these boxes or you do anything different than this, than like, um, like in, in some realms anyway, you're just like a, you know, a raving heathen off the rails and I think there's something to be said for uh, being a steadfast follower, at least, at least for people who also claim and, and desire to be a follower of, of Jesus, first and foremost to being an example of a steadfast follower of Jesus who might occasionally do things a little bit differently mm. and then to to continue just to highlight that core of like of Jesus mm. and the way Jesus is and then then it's like well yeah no I I actually I no I voted I didn't I voted this way mm. really mm. huh or uh, I think I think this uh, in the midst of relationship with people where where you come together on that, that place of, of who Jesus is and then then um, you just do some things differently and instead of it being a combative trying to argue somebody to a certain place, um, maybe you should just surprise them a little bit with a, a, a slightly different way of being. I know I've had... Conversations with people in the past just about different things and, and where I was just a little different than what they were used to and they're like you know I've the only people I've ever met who thought like you did on this thing were this kind of people mm. but I've known you for a while now mm. and I know you to be this and yet you're you're saying this thing you're doing this thing and I'm like yeah and they're legitimate like okay i guess i gotta take another look at that Mm. and so i think there's something to be said like there's certainly something to be said for like getting in people's face sometimes and challenging some Mm. things but there's also something to be said for just that steady living like jesus and then when you cross those paths of like white christian nationalism takes you this way and you go this way, and people go, wait a second.
1: We were, mm. we were walking
4: right alongside each other, and now you're, you're going to take this fork in the road. Mm. I am, and this is why. Like, I'm following Jesus this way, actually. Mm. Like, really? Mm. Really? And I think you can challenge some deep-seated assumptions and, and ways of thinking that way. Thanks for sharing. Sure.
2: Um, a few things. So... For me, it it needs to be, I I need to continue to educate myself in the sense of reading people who don't look like me. Mm -hmm. Uh, African Americans, women, immigrants or listening to those folks and decentering me as the the center of the project. Um, I think I need to participate and we need to have more conversations like this. Um, I think there are certain things that I, as a white person, can say to another white person that I can't say to an African-American or a person of color or, or a group. And, and that leads to the next thing, which is to, to pray and ask for some courage from the Spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, I, can, I don't necessarily want to be seen as a heathen or um, a weirdo. And not that Joshua does either. But, um, so but if I'm honest, that's one of the things that probably holds me back um, from sharing some of that. Uh, I certainly know that it would probably be better if Joshua or Wendy would talk to my family members that have this issue. And I'll talk to their family members <laughs> because it's t- tough, taking it's some of that emotion out of it is, is, is actually helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because and then the last thing I would say is we all need grace and kindness for one another. Mm-hmm. I mean being right is not one of the fruit of the spirits. Mm-hmm. Kindness is. And we are all journeying and trying our best. And I and on a good day, I believe this about someone who has some of the beliefs. Mm-hmm. They are they're they are earnestly trying to follow Jesus as best they can. Mm-hmm. So I should not necessarily Go at them with that well no you're not, because then they can come back to me and say the same thing. Yeah: Thank you. Thank you
1: all for uh, being a part of this panel, of uh, being a part of the, the book uh, club or the book group, and um, you can't see your book, another oh. book. Uh especially for those who are joining us virtually. Uh, this is the book written by Andrew uh, Whitehead. Um, and for the people here as well within the, uh, within the, the uh, congregation. Uh, let's give it up for our panel. They did an awesome job. And um, regards to where you are at um, in this nationalism or what I would consider uh, American exceptionalism, because um, I can go in further and deeper into that, but that's for another day that we are in the journey, as uh, Mike and so many others have said, in the journey of healing and as one church that we are becoming and to allow and to to give yourself grace where you may have fallen short of. So with that said, Matt, thank you.